Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina. Today, I am with Vicki. And we're going to talk about approaches to teaching literature. Right. Because we want to talk about whether there's one right way to approach (gasps) literature. I wonder if there could be one right way. I think that it's likely that there's not one right way, because there's not one right way to do much of anything about this homeschooling thing. Especially since it's our hashtag, there's not one right way. That's right. That's right. We're doing something else that there's not one right way to podcast. And so today we are podcasting and live streaming on YouTube at the same time. We're also learning how to turn off the volume on the cell phone. Yes. Well, that little chimey noise was quite beautiful. So we're going to forgive you for it. (laughs) But yeah, this is a new thing and we're going to do it from time to time. And so if you are someone who likes the idea of... Um, hopping onto a live stream and seeing behind the scenes with your big sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Then here we are with our new hashtag, which is we're just like you, only older. So, um, yeah. yeah. And so you can find us at Seven Sisters Homeschool on YouTube. Yes. And subscribe there because we have lots of how-tos. Yes. And it's we fun. have lots of how-to videos already on YouTube. And we also have a, a large chunk of additional videos that we're getting ready to add to our YouTube channel Yes, that um, were actually created on Facebook, but then um, we realized that they were not available to people who were following us on YouTube only. So we want to put those up there. Yeah. So um, if you are able to give us your feedback, that really helps shape the future Mm -hmm. episodes of the podcast. Um, It's important to us that we are not just throwing our curriculum in your face all the time. I mean, we mm-hmm. think our curriculum is wonderful. Oh, absolutely. Yes. We love it. We used it. Our, our kids, liked, kids it. liked it. The kids in our local community liked it. It's been, you know, vetted by real teens for yeah. many, many, many years. So yeah, we think mm-hmm. it's fabulous, but these are not supposed to be commercials for Seven Sisters curriculum. They're right. supposed to be big sister help, advice, and encouragement yeah. for your homeschool. Because in, in the scriptures, in Titus 2, it talks about the more mature women, just like you, only older. Uh huh. <laughs> so we're homeschooling. Does Titus only have a hashtag <laughs> in the footnotes in my study Bible? I should check and we see. Should, <laughs> but that we're supposed to invest in the the younger generation because why should they have to invent the wheel right. if there are some things that we can save them some pain and suffering? So, younger sisters, we're so glad you're here. Yes, and we are going to hopefully help you not have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to approaches to teaching literature. There you go. So there's our segue to our topic. (laughs) So um, it it would be a lovely world for homeschoolers if every kid just loved every book put in front of them, Mm -hmm. understood every book put in front of them, could um, intelligently peel away the layers of ideas Mm -hmm. there, and would love reading for the rest of their lives, no problem. Mm. But that's actually not what a lot of homeschoolers experience. Yeah, I imagine that there are some kids who just are natural literature readers, and they just understand at a deep level when they read, and then that excites them to read even more. Yeah, there. I mean, there are those kids for sure. Yeah. I, have a, I have a niece, um, Seven Sister Allison's oldest was such a book lover that sometimes we had to make a rule that she wasn't allowed to read. So that was her punishment. 
Well, it would be her punishment, but like she would she would read it in appropriate time socially, you know. So if your grandparents are taking you out for a one on one dinner for a special time with them and you're riding to the restaurant in the car and they're asking you chatty questions about your life and what interests you and you say, I'm reading right now. Uh, put the book away. <laughs> so there are kids that there are, just, there are. Yes. yes, but none of mine were that kid. Yeah. Just being honest here. Yeah, and and each kid has their own learning best style, mm-hmm. and so to have different approaches to literature is a perfectly reasonable thing. Yes. Yes. And then you've got to take into account mom's style too, because mm-hmm. if mom is primary teacher, mm-hmm. which is the case in most homeschool families. Um, mom's own experience with literature is going to affect the climate. And that's okay. That's more than okay. It's Mm -hmm. really important for moms to ask themselves, how do they really feel about reading? And has this been an enjoyable thing for them or something that's been a chore? Because Mm -hmm. it it is going to affect the tone. So God's not confused. He knows what moms he put with what kids. And that there's this intersection, like a Venn diagram. Yeah. Oh, I like Venn diagram. I don't yes. like math, but I like Venn, Venn diagrams. diagrams. Yeah. So you got the mom and the kid and the different learning styles mm-hmm. and worldviews, and you put them together. And hopefully there's a literature approach that, that works, works for both. Works for both. Yeah. So there, there are a couple of really widely used, accepted, and understood approaches. Let's talk about the traditional literature textbook approach first. And this is what a lot of us did in um, traditional school, public school, whatever, Mm -hmm. high school. Um, And what's interesting is when I was in college prep English literature class, we used textbooks. When I moved up to honors in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, we quit using the textbooks, and we went to real books. Is that is right? I never oh. thought of that until this very moment. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, Of course, can... when I was in high school, there wasn't such a thing as different levels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, giving away my age. So, But, yeah, and we used these textbooks in high school. So most of us are familiar with a literature textbook. It does all the work for you. So it tells all kinds of different themes and approaches and understanding literature skills and mm-hmm. all in one handy textbook. So you just plow your way through the textbook over the year. And sometimes you're reading short stories, and sometimes you're reading poetry, and sometimes you're reading excerpts or cuttings from a novel. Right. But it's it's kind of a, a piecemeal thing, because they mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're getting a little taste of this and a, a mm-hmm. dose of that. And so it's it, the whole year is sort of structured. Um, I, I've always felt like that is more about understanding how to analyze literature than it is about appreciating literature. Absolutely. So the, the, the goal is, you know, they're usually called like themes in literature. Right. Or like, so it's how many themes can we grab or cram into or pull out of different pieces of literature. So the approach is how much can we get into it as far as the topics. Okay. Yeah, so right. themes and ideas and analysis like you said and that's okay Okay. that's a really great fit for a lot of kids what Mm -hmm. what types of learners would you see gravitating toward that kind of thing i i I think of over the years that i've taught literature in our homeschool community to group classes and Mm co-ops um my more literal concrete thinkers have Mm -hmm. tended to like that kind of thing because 
the introduction notes and the sidebars keep reminding them of mm-hmm. what it is that they're supposed to be noticing. Yeah. And so, I think that's helpful for them, too, because it's it's very short. Yeah. So reading a whole book is sometimes a little intimidating for mm-hmm. some kids. And so if they have an excerpt from a book or a you know five-page short story, then they feel more accomplished because they got something done. Yeah, yeah. What kinds of kids is that not such a great fit for? Kids who get really irritated when you kill the book <laughs> and over-teach subjects. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, yeah. so, some kids... A lot of kids will pull their hair out with a traditional textbook. Mm-hmm. So it's not dissing textbooks like it works for some kids. For the kids that it works for. Yeah, and, and it doesn't fine. work for the kids that it doesn't work for. And they, yeah, so they hate literature courses because it's killing the book. Mm-hmm. And so you say, well, there's so many rich themes. There are at least, you know, six different kinds of character development going on here. And they go like, I like this story. Right. And you're wrecking it for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so personal, personal story time here so yeah I I had um college prep literature in ninth grade and then I switched to honors which was more real book based but even there um really heavy on the comprehension piece of it the comprehension really heavy uh on the comprehension piece of it less on the analysis Mm -hmm. so lots and lots and lots of questions that felt really insulting like what happened to Sally after she walked through the door? Exactly. Like, I read the book. I know what happened who to Sally. Who punched her in the nose? Okay, well, if I didn't notice who punched her in the nose, like, really, you had to point that yeah. out to make sure that I read that part? It just, yeah. I think the reason why they do those kinds of questions at high school level, unless the kids have learning issues mm-hmm. and really need to learn to pay attention, is just to make sure they read the book. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So then I got to college, and I was an English major, and so I took several literature classes, which were very literature textbook approach. Mm -hmm. And um, sometime soon after that, in my early 20s, I quit reading for close to a decade. I was so tired of people telling me what to get out of the book that I was reading. (laughs) Like, this is what you're supposed to do with it. It burned me out on reading, no lie. I barely picked up a book that I wasn't required to read for some situation that I was in, you know, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I resolved that I never wanted my kids to experience that when we started homeschooling them. Mm -hmm. And so for for a kid who loves it, it's it's great. It's not souring them on it. But Mm -hmm. if your kid... Is, is foaming at the mouth and rolling their eyes and saying, you're killing this for me, mm. you're killing this. You should listen to that because it mm. actually can do like long-term damage to their mm-hmm. ability to engage with mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, different readers, right? Yeah, so there's, there's the approaches of reading whole books that are very comprehension base mm-hmm. and you know did did you actually read the book what happened then and so it's very good for people who like the story but are very linear thinkers mm-hmm. and um, or that mom needs to make sure they actually read the book yep of course they could probably get it from cliff notes these days they probably could and you know that's why cliff notes were so completely not allowed when oh I yeah was in high school oh, yeah. because it was a way to not read the book mm-hmm. but oh, we can talk about cliff notes at the end of this podcast yeah because it ties right into this and we've got a youtube about it we do we do yeah so okay so um 
We've talked about the textbook approach. We've talked mm-hmm. about whole books that focus on comprehension. Mm-hmm. There are also then study guides to accompany whole books that do comprehension and analysis mm-hmm. and try to do a, oh, I'm actually going to say this, a really comprehensive analysis. <laughs> so they kind of want to dig into every possible thing that you could find in that book. So then you have these marvelous study guides that take the book to pieces and, and there are do... 110 pages on the scarlet letter you know 110 right. pages of study guide material and you're doing every, every theme and every character and and just digesting it in little pieces and lots and lots of good comprehension and inferential questions mm-hmm. which are important you know like like figure this out kind of stuff what do you think about so that but but enormously detailed yeah very time consuming. Yeah. And for some kids, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I guess the inferential questions um, are not guided because there's so many possible conclusions and they want you to right. consider all of them. And in particular, for more concrete thinkers, the mm-hmm. what do you think this meant is a really intimidating, overwhelming question. Mm-hmm. It is it is something that they're going to do a whole lot better in a little bit of discussion with them, where yeah. you're helping them think about how to think right. in that way. Yeah, which is what inferential questions are good for, is, is how do you think, how do you develop those skills, how do you learn to perspective take? Mm-hmm. So they're marvelous for mm-hmm. that. and uh, But they may or know. may not work well just on a page. Right. Often, some relational component is really helpful yeah. for those. So yeah. Other kids love them. Other kids just mm. eat them up and. And they, love they that stuff. yeah, so they'll pull their hair out at comprehension questions, but they really enjoy mm-hmm. the engagement of the inferential ones. So, so for those who who have kids who want to tear a book to pieces, like the the kids who ride in the car with the grandparents yes. and they're and just want to know every detail, the kids that are future. English majors, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they they would love these really big, in-depth study guides. So just take one book to pieces. Right. Okay, so now we're going to get to the, the shameless self-promotion portion of the podcast. Um, this is still not a commercial, though. It's just explaining what literature curriculum from yeah. SevenSistersHomeschool.com and does and why. why. Yeah, because what we found with our kids when we started co-oping together and we would get the teens together in a group, they had opinions about the monster field guides. Oh, yes. And they had opinions about textbooks that you only get chunks of and they're just taking things to pieces and they didn't like them. And we had very vocal teens. Yes, we did. We encourage them to be vocal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We wanted them engaged in that process of yeah. owning their education in high school. Absolutely. So so what we found is that we had to take the books that they wanted to study or that we thought would enrich their life experience and make a study guide that covered only one or two themes so that they could take and not kill the book, but get richness out of right. those things and not spend 20 hours a week on one study guide. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we did We're really essentially trying to pull the, the best um, opportunities out of each approach mm-hmm. and avoid the worst pitfalls. 
in each approach. And that doesn't mean that a Seven Sisters literature study guide is a perfect fit then for every type of student. No. But it means for the most part, mm-hmm. there's not overkill. Yeah. And for the most part, there's not busy work in terms of comprehension questions that aren't really necessary for right. most students. So we always throw a few in there just mm-hmm. to keep kids tracking through the book. Yeah. Um, but we also really heavily wait on good inferential questions where there's not a one right answer. Yes. Now, it's funny because that is occasionally confusing or frustrating to parents who get the answer key that goes with the study guide and find that several of the answers in the answer key are answers will vary. And any answer that indicates that the student has actually thought this out and is giving support for their opinion is acceptable. And there, there are moms, let's, let's just admit who we are. Some of us moms really want there to be a right answer. It's so much easier that way. It is. Yeah, and we found that in the answer keys that we had to do answers will vary and it needs to show the student has interacted with the, mm-hmm. the material. An example might be. Yes. And so we, we tried to provide examples might be. Yeah. And some of the things that your student might mention, you know, likely, uh, yeah, could include, yeah. 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 And, and, and we'll take actual things that the students have answered in our, in our group classes or our own kids have answered and kind of throw... edited versions of that in there as samples not as a one right answer so but we don't overkill the questions inferential or comprehension Comprehension. because what we want is for the kids to end that study guide in that book with actually have had a good experience have enjoyed it like i think i want to read the next book I I have always enjoyed talking with teens when we start a literature class um, at the beginning of a semester or the beginning of a year or whatever. And I tell them that what I'm hoping I'm going to encourage them to do over the course of the class is to develop a relationship with each of the books that they read. Whether they feel like that's a relationship with the author who wrote the book Mm -hmm. as they have... um, been inspired by that author's ideas or been yeah. irritated and challenged and provoked by that author's mm-hmm. ideas that they disagree with. Or whether it's a time period and a setting, mm-hmm. um, a, you know, historical um, or a, a um, socioeconomic class of people in a particular, yeah. whether it's it's a setting type thing that they, that they interact with. But I'm hoping that they are going to bring themselves to the book mm-hmm. because a book sitting on a shelf is just a bunch of words on a page. When mm-hmm. you read it, you are bringing your own experiences, your own opinions, your own fears, your mm-hmm. own everything to it. I think we have a, a YouTube on that too. Don't yeah. We on yeah yeah helping teens um, develop a relationship with literature. Yeah. Yeah. But if we are encouraging our kids to do that, then we almost have to put boundaries on how much are we asking you to analyze in this book. Yes. And one of the lovely things to remember is. You don't have to only read a book once in your life if you really liked it. So our study guides typically say at the beginning, for the purposes of this reading of the book, Mm -hmm. we're going to ask you to focus on symbolism because there's Mm -hmm. so much symbolism in this book. There's also a ton of other really good things in Mm -hmm. this book. And you can dig into those if you would like. But you don't have to. Because in this study guide, that's all we're going to cover. Because we don't want to kill the book. We want them to want to read it again or read another one like it or another one by the author. To love to read. Right. 
The other thing that Seven Sisters Guides do um, that varies whether this happens in, in other types of literature curriculum or not is once all of that is done and all that thinking has happened, um, then we ask them to write somehow in response mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But the type of writing varies a lot, mm-hmm. and it's not so much about um, writing instruction right. as it is putting into articulate paragraphs the things that you experienced as you read this book. Yeah, so we don't we don't require them to turn it out as a polished five-paragraph essay or research paper, mm-hmm. um, and so we don't have a rubric for that. If you wanted to import that over into an essay that you're counting. And there's no that. instruction there. There's nothing about sentence fragments. There's mm-hmm. nothing reminding them to, you know, state their thesis mm-hmm. in, the, in the first sentence of their paragraph. It, it's not about the writing instruction at that point. It's about the sit and and simmer a little bit those ideas and those things that you've thought about and noticed and let it kind of roll around in your brain and then talk to me about it because we want our kids to be thinkers not parrots yes oh say that again that was good we want our kids to be thinkers not parrots yes parrots are lovely if you're into having a bird for a pet but Mm -hmm. it's not real learning when your kid is just saying back what they've been told to say yeah yeah yeah, especially not when it comes to literature. Yeah. So, yeah. So the another thing that we included, because in our co-ops and even in our families, there were different kinds of learners. And so we had some kids who, like Sister Allison's kid or yes. you know, a couple of mine, who loved the books. Yes. And they wanted to do more with the study guide. And then we had some who were go, like, I'm going to do what I'm required to do, and I'm going to have a good attitude and like it, but I just want to do it's a lot that. of work for me to just even read this book. Yeah, so we're just so, going to do yeah. this. So we have with the guides on how to adjust the levels for credit. Uh, so a kid who wants a high-powered honors credit, there are some extra engagements that right. they can do with the book, and it's outlined what to do with that. Kids who have special needs, how to adjust, you know, reading mm-hmm. out loud or discussing the questions out loud. So there's all different levels that are included. Right. And that's something that we try to do with all of our curriculum at Seven mm-hmm. Sisters, um, mm-hmm. is make it easy to adapt it to whatever level you yeah. need for your homeschool for that student for that year. Because we're homeschool moms, and we know that kids have different levels. That's right. And the same kid has different needs in different years. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, the, the flexibility. There is not one right way yeah. to do this stuff and being open to adapting the curriculum mm-hmm. with a little bit of help from your big yeah. sisters who say, here are some ways that you might want to adapt it that might right. work well. And additionally, we, in many of the of the literature guides, offer supplemental resource ideas. Mm-hmm to help bring the um, the book to a greater level of appreciation. It's, mm-hmm. it's not so much about understanding it better as it is appreciating it more. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, there's a, a study guide to accompany Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. And listed in the supplemental resources are things like a link to a YouTube video done in the site of the house where the hiding place was yeah. taking you through so that you actually see how incredibly small the space mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. where they were hiding Jews from the Nazis. Um, so just some things to, to really help the yeah. kids grab onto it. But additionally, um, some of the books that are super challenging, we have recommended that you go to places like Cliff Notes. Yes. And um, the reason is that 
Cliff's notes were never intended to replace the reading of the book. They mm-hmm. were written to be an aid for a student who's struggling to understand and make sense of all of it. When they're used the way they should be, it's almost like having the benefit of a class discussion in front yeah. of you. You're getting several different perspectives. You're getting, mm-hmm. here, you might want to think about it this way. And some critics over time have said this and this and this. And for a kid who's stuck on a section of a book and saying, yeah. wait, I don't even understand what just happened. Yeah. That can be so helpful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's an integrity issue. You need to actually read the book if you're saying yeah. that you read the book. <laughs> I know with one of my kids, we were doing the study guide for Plato's Republic. Yes. I can talk. And it's such a valuable experience. It's hard. But it is. It's whole Greek. Yeah. And it's big ideas. Big ideas. And so for kids who are used to reading, you know, Snapchats, Uh (laughs) you know, like little tiny chunks of information, carrying a big thought for a long way was a real mental exercise. And so we had... We had the study guide. We had, you had my kid in your class, uh-huh, so they had the class discussions. And then we used audiobooks to listen yep. to it, and we did it together. One is because I'd never read it and I, I was curious, but also my kid wanted to bounce back what he thought he was hearing and we read the cliff notes also. So we really digested but that was because my kid was really interested in what on earth this Plato's Republic was Mm -hmm. like that it was he was really why it's been I remember from class discussions him also liking the impact that it has had on so many thinkers and writers and politicians and everything over over centuries and centuries and centuries so why this profound impact And you can't always do that when you're 15 years old and you're reading a book with challenging vocabulary. Right. And you're trying to get your math done and you're going to soccer practice and you're, yeah. The fun thing about that is it it ignited his interest in philosophy. And so he and some of our other kids ended up doing Seven Sisters Philosophy in Four Questions. And History and Philosophy of the Western World. Right. Yeah, and, and loving this this concept that, oh, there are these really big, profound ideas that have indeed shaped the world. Yeah. And I want to learn more about right. that. Yeah. yeah. So it can be a real springboard if you will make it accessible. If it's hard, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's hard and it burns you out and you give up and walk away in disgust, that's not okay. Right. So you want them to be inspired, not tired. That's good, too. There's another hashtag. We're, we're just Inspired, hashtag. not tired. Kim yes. will listen to this episode and turn out another bunch of t-shirts. That's right. That's right. Kim has all kinds of t-shirts that she wants us to make with, yeah. with Seven Sisters-isms <laughs> on them. <laughs> all right. Have we covered all the main points? Because we're about out we of do. time. Approaches yeah. to literature. So the, um, the takeaway from this is that it's okay to decide what approach you are going yeah. to take to literature in your homeschool. And you can decide it for this season, for this kid, mm-hmm. and you can change that at another time or yeah. for another kid because mm-hmm. there are different approaches and yeah. they can all be effective. And they're not one right way. There is not one right way. So for more on teaching literature, for more encouragement and practical strategies and ideas for teaching literature in a co-op instead of one-on-one, all of those things can be found at sevensistershomeschool.com. There are blog posts mm-hmm. to bless you. And there are um, even freebies in the ebook store 
uh, to encourage your teaching of literature in your homeschool. We hope this has been helpful to you. And again, please give us feedback on topics that you would like to hear discussed by your big sisters. Indeed. Yeah. So thank you for being here. This has been the Homeschool High School podcast from 7sistershomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 